Once again, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Crossroads. We're so glad you're here with us today. Very special hello to those that are watching online and those at our West Campus as well. Like I said, my name is Ross. I'm the high school pastor here at our Newburgh campus, and I'm so thrilled to be here with you today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to go. And while you're turning there, I, I got to tell you, I'm so excited about this new series that we are in, Go and Be, as we're talking about what it really means means to be a go and be church. And in Matthew chapter five is probably a very familiar uh, passage of scripture for many of you. If you grew up in church or maybe you've been coming to church for a while, it's one that maybe you've, you've heard before. It's pretty popular. And we're going to start reading in Matthew chapter five, uh, starting in verse 13. And this is what the Bible says about being salt and light. Check it out. Matthew chapter five, verse 13. It says, you, this is Jesus talking to us, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Then check out what it says. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This morning, I just simply want to talk to you from this idea of salt and light. Salt and light. Come on, would you pray with me as we dive into this message this morning? Jesus, I'm so thankful for you. God, that you, you allow us to be able to come here and open up your word and leave this place encouraged. So whether we're here at Newburgh, whether we're, we're at our West Campus, or whether we're, we're watching online, would you help us to leave today, this, this moment, this time we have together, better than we came? Lord, that you would be the lifter of our heads. You would, you would mend that which is broken today. You would heal that which is sick. And Father, we believe that you can do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine this morning. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, y'all gotta wake up here at Newburgh. I said, and everybody said, amen. amen. All right, good, good, good. Hey, uh, a little confession time this morning. How many of you would say when you were a child, you were afraid of the dark? You were afraid of the dark. Um, I, 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 how many of you would actually say as an adult, you're still kind of afraid of the dark? I remember when I was a kid, I was so afraid of the dark. I mean, I'm, I'm the kind of person I'm still kind of afraid of the dark. I don't like dark things. I like the light. I like to be able to see things that are coming at me if something's coming at me. Um, but when I was a kid, I had a really hard time with the dark. And I think it all stemmed from one thing that happened to me when I was in the fifth grade. I'll never forget it happened in my room in the dark. It was the first time I ever encountered a demon. Hang with me. <laughs> Some of you are like, what? <laughs> I remember I was in the fifth grade. I was, I was in my room. Me and my brother were there. He, we had a bunk bed. He slept on the top bunk. I slept on the bottom bunk. And, and I was almost asleep. I was kind of in that in-between stage of being awake and being asleep. That little like, mm. Like that, but I kept getting woken up because my brother snores. Haven't you noticed how annoying it is? The people who snore the loudest are usually the ones who fall asleep the fastest. My brother, he was keeping me awake, but all of a sudden I'm, I'm almost there. I'm almost asleep. And then something, something, something happens, right? I'm almost asleep. And I hear this noise go, eh. 
Instantly, I'm, I'm open my eyes. I'm like, what was that? And then I see him. He's right there in front of me with his two red kind of slanty eyes looking right at me. It's a demon in my room. And he's looking at me and he's going, eh. You ever been so scared you go to scream, but nothing comes out? I was like, nothing, just a little pee. That's all that came out. <laughs> nothing else. I was terrified, you know, I was so scared. I was panicking. I see a demon in my room. But I grew up in the South. I grew up in North Carolina. That's where I'm from. And I, I grew up in church in the South. And so I knew a thing or two about spiritual warfare, right? So I just decided I was going to go right in on this demon. I said, oh, demon, you have come to the wrong house tonight, demon. I tell you, in the name of the Lord God Almighty, I cast you out of my room, demon. Get out. The demon looked back at me and went, eh. <laughs> I'm like, how can this be possible? I, I'm in, I grew up in a Christian home, you know? I'm panicking, I'm thinking, you know, my brother's here. My mom's in the next room over. I gotta, I gotta do something. I gotta protect my house, you know? I'm in a full-on panic, but I decide I gotta do something. I pull back the covers very quickly. I run to the light switch. I flip the light switch on. I got like a hockey mask and a baseball bat. I'm ready to go to war. I'm like, tell me your name, demon. Show me your face. I can't find him anywhere. My brother wakes up. He's like, Ross, what are you doing? I'm like, not now, Chris. Get mom, get the oil. We got a demon in our house. We're gonna exercise this thing out of here. I'm looking around, I can't find him anywhere, but I hear him. And then all of a sudden I look in the corner of the room and, and I see what's really going on. You see, North Carolina summers could get pretty, pretty warm there. And our AC unit, it couldn't really keep up with the heat. So uh, me and my brother, we had a little portable fan in our room. <clears throat> and, uh, and TVs back in the day, they had like these, these boxes on the top and it would tell you what channel you were on by the digits there on the box. But if your TV was off, it had these, these red slanty lines that kind of looked like eyes when they were looking at you. And, uh, and I looked on the fan and on the fan, my mom, she, she, she wrote us a note and she said, um, hope you boys have a great weekend. Make sure you clean your room and uh, bagel bites are on the kitchen table. And she had taped the note to the fan so that when the fan was blowing, it kind of rattled the note and it made this noise that sounded a lot like, eh. <laughs> Truth was, it was no demon in my room, but I was in a full on panic in the dark thinking that there was one. The same panic that I experienced that night I believe maybe the same panic that some Christians experience one day when we wake up and realize that church was so much more than just filling a seat on a weekend. The church is so much more than something we do. Actually, the church is something that we are, that we are called to be a go and be church, not a sit and watch church, not a Christian checklist church. I believe that we're supposed to go and be. Why? Because because there are people in the dark. I don't know about you, I don't, I don't wanna wake up one day and find out that I had the answers all along, yet I never took it to anybody. That I knew the healer, but I was walking past sick people every day. 
What I do want to be a part of is a church that says, no matter what it costs, I'm going to go. No matter what it takes, I'm going to go. It doesn't matter if it makes me uncomfortable. I'm going to go and I'm going to be the church. Whether I got to be salt, whether I got to be light, whatever it is, there are people that are hurting in the dark. They're broken in the dark. They're panicking in the dark. They're completely lost in the dark. And all they need is for somebody to turn the light of Jesus on in their life to show them what's really going on. We got to be a a go and be church, a go and be church. And today I have just two points, two points if you're taking notes that hopefully you'll write down. This is what a go and be church is. Point number one of my message this morning is this, a go and be church chooses calling over comfort. A go and be church chooses their calling over comfort. You look at the passage in, in Matthew chapter five and it's a, it's a part of probably the most famous sermon that Jesus ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, what Jesus is asking his followers to do is something that's pretty wild. It's pretty uncomfortable if you want me to be honest. He says, I want you to go and be salt and light to the, to the earth. It leaves me kind of wondering what that exactly means, but there's another version of the Bible that actually says that we are supposed to go public with the gospel. To go public with the gospel. The gospel now I know as a phrase is kind of this word that gets thrown around in church a lot. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that Jesus came and made himself uncomfortable so that you and I could be comforted by him. He made himself uncomfortable so that you and I could be comforted by him. Come on, we know this is true. Think about the the story of Christmas. Christmas is coming up soon. And my wife and I have already started going and getting like Christmas decor, like to put all over our house and stuff. And everything we buy is just so cute. Thing is though, the story of Christmas is not really all that cute. If you think about it, can you imagine having a baby in a barn? Okay. This is like Mary and Joseph and like a goat. And you're like, shut up. Baby Jesus is on the way. This is supposed to be spiritual, but it's not really. It's uncomfortable. It's dirty. It's, it's messy. It's loud. It's weird. Jesus comes in an uncomfortable way, but also not only that, he, he dies in an uncomfortable way. He's beaten to a point that people can't even recognize him. And then he's hung up on a old rugged cross He dies a death that he does not deserve. He made himself uncomfortable so that you and I could be comforted with him in eternity. This is what we believe. This is the gospel. Yet, if we believe that today, and here we go, if you believe that God has comforted us, then we have to believe that what he's told us to do is now go and get uncomfortable for somebody else. Not only has he come now and comforted us, he's asking us that we go and get comfortable for someone else. Think about the messages that Jesus gave. He says, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Hold up, Jesus, didn't when you took up a cross, it led to your death? Yes, yes it did, come follow me, let's go die. What? That doesn't sound very comfortable, Jesus. I don't know if I had that in my Sunday afternoon plans. Think about what Jesus said. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Wait a second. Wait, Jesus, hold on. Uh, Don't sheep get eaten by wolves? Yes, yes, son, they do. Okay. (laughs) 
This seems like a pretty uncomfortable calling, yet this is the calling of the church. But what I love about Jesus is that he'll never ask us to do something that he himself is not willing to do. He says, go public for me, but long before we could ever go public for him, he already went public for us. The Bible says that we love, why? Because he first loved us. Therefore, if I've been shown grace first, how could I withhold grace from anybody else? If I've been shown forgiveness first, how could I hang on to bitterness for years and years and years because of something somebody said or did to me? I gotta let go of that and I, I gotta forgive them too. If, if Jesus made himself uncomfortable for me, my only reasonable response is to now go and be uncomfortable for the sake of someone else. This is our calling as the church. What is the church? A church is not a building, it is a body. It's not a place, it is a people. It is not brick and mortar, it is a movement. But can I give you a friendly reminder today? The church is a movement, but the death to any movement is personal comfort. The death to any movement is personal comfort. The casualty comes when we're more concerned about people taking our seat a whole lot more than we are just excited that they're here. The casualty comes when we begin to judge just a little bit because people who are coming to know Jesus look, talk, or act, or think differently than we do. The casualty, the casualty comes when we begin to judge just a little bit because people happen to sin differently than we do. <laughs> do not allow personal comfort to rob you of what God wants to do through you. This is the death of a movement, personal comfort. The opposite of a go and be church is a me church. The opposite of a go and be church is a me church. But friends, if we're gonna do something different, if we're gonna reach people that have never been reached before, if we're gonna take the gospel into areas that, are ne that have never, it's never been taken before, if we're gonna go and be the church, we've gotta get our eyes and our focus off of me and we've gotta think more about we. We've got to get our eyes focused off of ourselves and ask God to give us a passion for people. If we want to be a part of what he's doing, we, we've got to let go of comfort. I like the way the message version puts Matthew chapter five when it starts talking about salt. And I understand the message version is not a direct translation, but the wording is, is so perfect what it says in Matthew chapter five, check it out again. It says, again, this is Jesus talking to us. He says, let me tell you why you are here. Why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. I like that. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. I like that part that says God flavors because if you know me, you know I'm a guy who likes a little bit of flavor. I like to add a little bit of flavor in any situation that I'm in. I rarely get very bored, right? If I'm in a boring situation, I just make up fun. I can remember when I was uh, young, I, I used to go to a lot of NC State football games. Like I said, I, I grew up in North Carolina, just south of Raleigh, where North Carolina State plays. And, uh, and I'm a huge Wolfpack fan. I'm a huge NC State fan. 
And I remember we used to go to all the home football games, but I remember one in particular. We were playing Florida State and that year Florida State was really good and we were really bad. (laughs) And uh, I can remember I'm at the game, right? And Florida State, I mean, they are killing us. We are getting beat so bad. I mean, we're down by several touchdowns. It's in the fourth quarter and man, people have already started to leave the stadium. Our fans have already started to leave. The atmosphere is dead. Nobody's screaming, nobody's shouting. And in fact, we're a few rows behind the Florida State fan section and all those guys are pumped. They're screaming, they're shouting, they're doing like the wave. And you know what? I'm just like, man, this ain't right. This is insulting. We, we, gotta, we gotta do something. We gotta add some flavor to the atmosphere a little bit. So I decide... It's like a commercial break or something. I decide I'm gonna stand up and begin a very popular NC State chant that goes a little bit like this. NC State, NC State. Just like that. I get through it about two times when all of a sudden a guy who's a few rows in front of us, he's a Florida State fan, he turns around, looks at me and says, hey, How about you take a look at the scoreboard, bro? Why don't you sit down and shut up? I said, you know, I sit down when I want to sit down, sir. At least that's what I was thinking, but I was scared, so I sat down. (laughs) I sat down real quick. My friends looked at me and said, Ross, you going to take that? I was like, yes, yes, I am. He's much bigger than me. Yes. (laughs) They said, no, 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 you can't take this. You got to stand back up, man. You got to do something. I said, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> they said, no, we're right here, man. We're with you, okay? We'll stand up with you. I was like, okay, okay. It's always good to have some idiot friends around you 24-7. <laughs> I was like, man, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't want to do this, but okay. And even though it was uncomfortable, I stood up and I went in. NC State, NC State. Then my friend stood up. NC State, NC State. Then the whole side of our stadium stood up. They started chanting. Then as time went on, the whole stadium started chanting the NC State chant. It was awesome. The players started getting pumped up. They were looking around thinking, oh, this is awesome. They were trying to get us louder. Then they started playing better. And would you believe we came back and we won the game. We won the game, everybody. That's a lie. We lost, but (laughs) we definitely lost. We were bad, but it would have been cooler. Would have been a much better story. Um, (laughs) The point is I learned something that day that we live in a world that tries, us to, tries to get us to be quiet about our God. They want us to sit down when it comes to our faith. And boy, do they love to remind us of the scoreboard. Look at how many times you messed up that play. Look how far behind you are. Look at how the odds are stacked up against you. 
I don't know about you, I've just decided every single time the world wants me to sit down, I've just decided I'm gonna stand back up. Every time the world wants me to shut up about my faith, I'm gonna shout just a little bit louder. Every time they want me to be ashamed and they want me to be bland, I decide I'm just gonna add a little bit of flavor. Why? Because we live in a world that loves to get loud about their sin, but I wanna be a Christian that loves to get loud about my savior. I'm not gonna be afraid. I'm not gonna be ashamed. I'm not gonna apologize for my faith. Will it make me uncomfortable to talk about my faith? Maybe, but I've got a calling. Will it make me uncomfortable to be a Christian in a non-Christian environment? Yes, yes it will, but I've got a calling. Will it make me uncomfortable to say no to going to that party Friday when I know some things are gonna be going down, I probably shouldn't be around? Yes, it will make you uncomfortable. But we got a calling. We gotta choose our calling over our comfort. And sometimes, man, I just believe that Christians should be the thing that brings flavor into whatever atmosphere they're in. We're like salt. We bring out God flavors. When people are down, we bring them up. When people are hurting, we tell them the healer. I'm telling you right now, all we have to do bring out just a little bit of flavor in our world. And just maybe, just maybe, people will want a real taste of what Jesus is really like when they see us. Point number one, a go and be church chooses calling over comfort. And number two, a go and be church believes in the light and believes we are that light. A go and be church, we believe in the light and we believe that we are that light. Ever since my problem with demons at an early age, <laughs> I was really afraid of the dark. And I mean, many, many times as a kid, I would try to go to sleep with my light on in my room. And several times I can remember I'd be asleep or I'd be like kind of faking like I was asleep as my mom would come by my room and check on me as she was going to bed. And if I was asleep, she'd try to turn the light off. Sometimes it would wake me up and I'd say, mom, wait, no, 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 wait, mom. Mom, please, please, can you, can you leave the light on? My mom, obviously not loving the idea of leaving the light on all night, decided one day to surprise me when I got home from school. I came inside and she said, come on, I, I, have, a, I have a surprise for you. I walk into my room and she turns the light out. And when she does, up on my ceiling and all on the wall is this big galaxy of glow-in-the-dark stars and planets. I said, wow, it's so cool, mom. Like, I'm gonna be able to, to sleep and see this all night? She said, yes, honey, yes, you will. I said, I'm gonna be able to sleep in the dark now. This is great, you know. And I can remember that night I turn off the light, I lay down in my bed and I'm looking up at the stars and the planets that are glowing in the night. But as time goes on, I see the glow of the stars, it begins to, it begins to fade a little bit. It begins to kind of burn out. They're not glowing anymore. And so I, I got up out of my bed, I ran to my mom's room and I said, mom, we have a problem. Like, the stars, they're not, they're not glowing anymore. I'll never forget what my mom said to me. 
she began to preach to me and she didn't even know. She said, oh honey, it's because you have to charge these stars up. They'll only reflect the light that they've been given. The only way that you can be the light, friends, is if you've been close to the light. The only way that you can be the light is if you're close to the light, not close to the things that look like the light. I wanna be very clear. We can never substitute the things of God for getting alone with God. One of the most dangerous places you'll ever find yourself is to think that you're on fire for God when really you were just sensing the heat from people and things around you. If you want to reflect the light, you've gotta be close to the light. Who is the light? Jesus. The Bible says in John chapter eight, Jesus is talking and it says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This phrase, I am the light of the world, should sound very familiar because instead of I am in Matthew chapter five, he says, you are. What is Jesus saying? He goes from saying, I am the light of the world to saying, now you are the light of the world. What is he saying? He's saying, once you hear the gospel, you must go share the gospel. There is a rhythm to this thing. It's sort of like breathing. If you inhale, eventually you must do what? Exhale. There's a rhythm to it. Why do I come to church? Why am I involved in a small group? Why do I read my Bible? Why do I pray to God? Why do I get close to the light? Is it so I can feel better about myself like a little Christian Snuggie? No. I get close to the light, I get filled up. Why? So I can go out and be spilled out for the world. I inhale so I can exhale. If I never exhale, I miss out on new oxygen that I need. If I never pour myself out for others, I miss out on what God has for me. And some people though, they, they do a lot of inhale, but they never exhale. They, they fill up, but they never spill out. They spectate, but they never participate. If we're gonna be a go and be church, we've gotta get close to the light simply because we know we're called to go into the darkness. Why do I come to church? Is because I love the light so much? That may be true. I love the light, but I love the lost people in the dark just as much. Love God, love people, that's my calling. I've gotta love going into the darkness just as much as I love being in the light. Why, because in the darkness is where the light shines the brightest. And if I wanna shine the light the brightest every once in a while, it means I gotta go to the dark. True maturity in Jesus knows that I don't come to church just for me. I'm coming here to get filled up so I can go and be spilled out. I love when people say, well, God's got a plan. You know, he's gonna, he's gonna do something. He's gonna use somebody. Well, maybe he wants to use you. I, I, I um, thank you, thank you. You know, I, I, I just need you to pray for my workplace, man. People at my job, they need Jesus. Well, they have you. How's my dad gonna get saved? How's my school gonna get turned around for Jesus? Well, you're there. You talk to your dad a lot. 
Is it our job to see the salvation? We might not always, but we can seed the salvation. God has put us where we're at for a reason. It may feel like you're in the dark, but it's only because you're meant to shine the light. If the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five is Jesus's most famous message he ever preached, there's a story found in Luke chapter 15 that is probably his most famous story he ever told. Jesus, because he is being the light in the darkness and hanging out with people in the darkness, he's being questioned about his friends. He begins to unravel his reasons of why he's hanging out with these people by telling three stories. The third of the three stories is the story of the prodigal son. Word prodigal, it means wasted. The story of the wasted son. It's the story of a young man who comes to his father and says, dad, I want all my inheritance as if you were dead. Basically telling his father, I don't care if you die or not. I just want my money. The father, because he loves his son, he gives him his inheritance and the son goes away from home, out into the darkness and squanders all the money away. All of his inheritance, he wastes it. On God knows what. He gets to a point where he has no money left. He's starving. He's eating literally with pigs. That's how he's getting his food. And he comes to this place where he realizes, I was better off at home. I was better off at my dad's place. I believe his dad's place was a place of grace, faith, forgiveness, and love. I hope and pray that would be said about us, that we would be people of grace, forgiveness, and love. He has this moment where he says, I, I came from more than this. And he decides to go back home. The story that Jesus tells is, is a parable. And we hear it mostly from the side of the son's point of view. We hear what he does, but Throughout all that time of wasting all the inheritance, of wasting his life, I can't prove it. It's, again, it's just a story, but it makes me wonder what was happening back home? What was the father doing? What was life like for him? I can't prove it. Again, it's just a parable, but it makes me think, what would it have been like to be the dad? As you're having dinner with the family, his wife is going by, she's putting plates on the table in front of him, in front of his other son, in front of her. And then there's an empty chair at the end of the table that she just skips by. I wonder if the father would have said, hey, uh, uh, honey, what are you doing? Put a plate down, put a plate down for my son. Sweetheart, why are we doing this? Come on. You know our son's not here. I know, I know, but put it down just in case. That night, maybe food was never put on that plate, but as they're going to bed, everybody has changed into their PJs. They're closing the blinds. The other son goes to the front door to do the normal routine. He's gonna lock the door and the father says, son, wait, no, stop. Leave the door unlocked. Dad, why? You know why. Your brother's still out there. Yeah, but dad, actually, son, you know what? 
crack open the door a little bit and leave the lamp on. Give him just a little bit of light to see. Leave the light on, son. Dad, why? Son, just in case. That night, I can imagine being a dad without your son. Your son's lost. He's trying to go to bed, but he's in the dark and he's just left with his thoughts. And all he can think about is his lost son. All he can hope for is that his son will return home and he's thinking about the door, the light. Can he see it? I don't know. Ah, I got to get out of bed. He gets out of bed. He comes downstairs. He goes into the kitchen. He grabs the lamp and he goes outside the house begins to just walk around holding the light as high as he can. Just, son, is that him? Where's he at? Son, son. His wife wakes up, goes outside. Honey, what are you doing? It's freezing out here. Would you come to bed? Come on. This is ridiculous. Why, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Honey, go back inside. I'm doing this just in case. Just in case he's off in the distance and he needs to see the face of his father. He needs to know he can come home at any time. Friends, I hope and pray that we would be God's just in case. Just in case they decide to turn around just in case they decide to come back home, just in case they need to see the face of their father, they can look back and see the light we're reflecting. And when they see us, they'll see him. That we would go and be salt, that we would go and be light, and we would leave the light on. We have a very practical way for us as a church to do this. Halloween is coming up so soon. It's coming up on a Wednesday night. We're having a phrase around here. We just simply are saying, leave your light on. Be present in your community. Be present in your neighborhood. Literally leave your light on, but also spiritually leave your light on. Be ready to have conversations with people in your community. That neighbor that you wave to every morning as you're going to work, but you've never had a conversation with, strike up a conversation. Again, will you see salvation? I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but at least you could seed the salvation. Maybe somebody else will water it. One day it'll grow. Leave the light on this Halloween. Leave the light on in your community. As you leave today, whether you're at West or here on Newburgh's campus, there will be people passing out these cards and on the backside, it's awesome. We have these very practical ways that you can leave your light on, especially around Halloween. And I pray that we would do that, that we would leave this place today. We would go and be salt and light. Come on, would you pray with me? Jesus, I'm so thankful for you. So thankful that you have called us to be a part of what you're doing that you have a plan and that we are your plan. You've called us to go and be salt and light. Lord, help us to bring out flavor into whatever atmosphere we are in, that when people encounter us, they get a taste of what Jesus is like. That when we go out into the darkness, God, we are shining your light everywhere we go.
and that when people see our light, it's reflecting you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.